0: good morning
1: good morning morning. it's time for us to start our Sunday school another wonderful Sunday another wonderful lesson and we've all been blessed to see another day another week so I praise God for that so um, we are going to go ahead and get started now I can't see all that's on the line here Uh, Lester, are you on
0: the line? Yes, I am.
1: Well, very good. Will you open us up with a word of prayer?
0: Sure. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity, another chance, Lord, that you have blessed us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, health and strength. Lord, we was able to get up this morning with you in mind, Lord. And we'd like to give thanks. We ask you to continue to bless each and every one of us. Starting with our pastor, the first lady and all the congregation and everyone that may be ill, uh, those that are going through. Uh, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name to lift up our nation, Lord, and let us make right choices And as we go forward. Lord, we are truly blessed this morning that we again can come into your presence, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask that you bless the uh, service today, bless the messenger today, and Lord, in all your blessing, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everyone's participation and those that maybe want to participate, but good. Lord, you are so good to us. You make it better and better every time. And Lord, we thank you. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can all agree by saying, Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Elder Lester. We are beginning, this is our first lesson in a brand new quarter, our summer quarter of Sunday School Literature. And the overall theme of this quarter, Kings and Leaders. There are three units to each quarter, three units to this quarter. And so our first lesson comes from unit one. And the subtopic in unit one is Israel's early leaders. Today's lesson, lesson one, subject of today's lesson is Ehud defeats Moab. Our lesson text comes from the book of Judges, chapter three, verses 12 through 17. 20 through 26 and verse 30. Our related scriptures are Judges chapter 3, verses 1 through 31, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 25 through 37, and Psalm 90, verses 13 through 17. The time of this lesson is 13, 16. B.C. and the place Moab. This golden text reads, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera a Benjamite, a man left-handed. That's Judges chapter 3, verse 15. The introduction of today's lesson will be read to us by Sister Lucretia Garrison. Sister Garrison, are you there?
2: Yes. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. When Joshua and the armies of Israel invaded the Promised Land, they were successful in conquering the land, but they never completely destroyed the inhabitants. Pockets of resistance remained. Moreover, with no centralized government or a king to lead them, Israel was vulnerable to attacks from the heathen nations that surrounded them. Once Joshua and those of his generation died, God raised up people called judges to lead the tribes. The judges also acted as military leaders to deliver the people from their enemies. To say the least, this was a very chaotic and violent period in Hebrew history. In fact, many people seem reluctant to study judges in death because it is so distressing. Had Israel fully obeyed the Lord during the conquest and its aftermath, much heartache and bloodshed could have been avoided there is a recurring cycle in judges it begins with the people's rebellion followed by retribution repentance restoration and finally rest after a period of rest the cycle repeats itself the book of judges covers about 300 years
1: Thank you, Sister Garrison. Lesson outlined for today, we have four outlines. The first one is verses 12 through 14, the defeat of Israelites permitted. The second one is verses 15 through 17, the deliverer of the Israelites provided. The third is verses 20 through 23, a dangerous plan and fourth, and last, is a discreet precaution. Before I bring Elder Mac, who's gonna bring this lesson out to us, there's just one other thing that I'd really like to cover. And that is, uh, before I teach a come today's aim, the aim of this lesson, it says, facts is to learn that sin will always lead to broken fellowship with God and chastisement from Him. And the principle is, To be assured that God always forgives sin when we repent. And the application is to seek the joy that comes from obedience and to know that while God will always forgive sin, it is best to obey in the first place. And that's the aim of today's lesson. So if there are no questions or comments at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Elder McElwee, who will... Uh, further dis- develop this lesson. And I do want to encourage the lesson participants, although Elder Mick is a great teacher and he's going to bring out certain points, but this is an interactive class, so we want to hear comments from everybody. Thank you. Elder Mack?
3: Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord, saints.
1: Praise the Lord.
3: Praise the Lord. Again, we have a, a marvelous lesson. Amen. In regards in the book of Judges find that the book of judges encompasses like in the introduction it goes a little bit further like 325 years of history and that span of time the cycle of sin suffering of sin suffering in that cycle was sin suffering supplication and salvation and it was repeated uh with these particularly 12 leaders but here uh out of the uh out of the 13 judges we find here uh uh ehu or ehu ehu i was looking that up and you can see it either way but nonetheless Othiel was the first judge that israel had and he had uh he had 40 years of peace with him but Uh, We probably need to go back just a little bit further in regards to all of this. We know that Israel was delivered; God delivered Israel from Egypt, and Israel roamed in the desert because of disobedience for forty years. It just always seemed like it was a forty-year cycle all the time. Forty years here, they like like Othanel. He 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 gave after he defeated the enemy forty years rest. We find other areas where 40 years of rest, 40, 40, 40. I don't know the significance of that number, but we find it often, amen, Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, you know, uh, uh, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It was in the heart of, you know, all of that. But nonetheless, um, we find that Othiel, amen, in uh, the uh, judges, the third chapter, ended up defeating uh, these particular kings that were in the land. So God took Moses off the scene and put Joshua in charge. Joshua was supposed to utterly destroy all the Canaanite nations in the land, but he he went about doing that, but he did not finish the job. And as he not uh, having not finishing the had not finished the job like he was supposed to by the commandment of God, as a result these canaanite nations that remained in the land became a snare to israel now israel because when uh uh Othinel died they couldn't find any other king amen uh and that uh once they did find uh, uh someone well you know during joshua's time when joshua went off the scene the elders were still uh running things And when these elders went off the scene, the people, you know, they were supposed to, you know, know, uh, know that God still exists and that God was who he said he was. was He's the great I am. And this thing had been passed down over and over and over throughout the generations of Israel. So there was really no excuse for the Israelites that remained in the land after the elders died off to fall into idolatry and these other detestable sins that uh god hated they are hoard themselves after other gods and god's anger burned against them so here we find now that the, the first judge died off as as he was raised up to defeat these particular enemies that had wheeled chariots and all this and israel really couldn't do nothing about it so now israel had went right back after the 40 years of peace of, of rest. Now they're right back into this, this same situation. We find out that this is a cycle of sin, amen, and suffering that Israel uh, went through throughout the whole book of, Jud- of Judges. So we find here in verse 12, though it says the first outland defeat of the Israelites was permitted by God. Amen. And the reason why it was permitted, this is what we're getting ready to get into. Here in verse 12, he says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Amen. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, continuing their repetitive cycle of sinning, servitude, and repentance and deliverance. All for these things as a result of their falling out of the will of God. Whenever a person sins whether uh, uh, during the Israelites' time or the church age, amen, we fall out of fellowship with God. I'm not talking about unsaved folk. I'm talking about Christians. Because unsaved folk are not in fellowship with God in the first place. And the only way that they can come, they're going to have to come in regards to uh, turning their lives over to the Lord because, and becoming a Christian and then God selling, selling uh, the individual where that person would be uh, the, uh, the Christian or the uh, convert uh, in regards to uh, who we're supposed to be as God's children. We can fall out of fellowship like that. The, right now in the church age because of sin. Sin is, the, is what separates. God cannot look upon that, and he hates sin. And so he has commanded us in his word not to sin. But the children of Israel did this in a repetitive way. Every time a king was raised and God delivered them, they fell right back into the same old cycle. So as a result of their rebellion, amen, God removed his hand of protection from Israel and made them vulnerable, amen, to their enemies, permitting, amen, their defeat. Amen. We see God empowering this particular king by the name of Eglon. Amen. Judge. I'm going to say again. Judge. Yeah. Well, Eglon was not a judge.
1: Well, you saying king, but at this yes. point, king was Eglon. he a king?
3: Yeah. yeah. King Eglon of Moab. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes.
3: Ehud yeah. was the judge, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it permitted the defeat of, of, of God empowering him. It says here in the in the first verse, the Lord, in other words, the Lord stre- uh, it says strengthened, but in other words, he empowered Eglon, right? He empowered Eglon, king of, of Moab, to suppress Israel. Why? For, because they were worshiping God, they was uh, committing idolatry. God God couldn't stand that. There was no other God beside him. These guys couldn't do nothing for them, Made of wood, steel, and uh, water, they were a flesh. They worship all kind of uh, false deities. God could not stand that for His people. He gave them uh, uh, the unadulterated commandments from Moses of how they were supposed. First, four commandments dealt with how they were supposed to worship Him, and here they are committing this this, this and in, in worshiping other gods. This is the evil that God could not stand, and this is the evil that he wanted to deal with. Anybody else? Amen. we move on. All
1: right. It, it, it goes back to, and you mentioned that Moses and Joshua. Well, when Moses left off the scene, Joshua was the leader. But when Joshua died, no no one really rose up to lead them so they had no leader and it appeared that it was the elders maybe that actually was caused them to go into apostasy because the scripture says that at that point because they didn't have a leader that every man did right what was right in his own eyes so but then when the oppression came and they cried out to God, then God would send deliverers. And that's where we are today with with the scripture that we're doing today, the second of the judges that God is sending to deliver them because of their hardness of heart, their disobedience and their apostasy, right?
3: Amen. Anybody else? Good. Amen. Here in verse 3 says, and he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went to smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. Here we find uh, something interesting in regards to Moab, the king of Moab. Amen. Moab, and we find Moab here, we find uh, the children of Ammon, and we find uh, Amalek, Amalek. Now these folks, we find that uh, Moab and the Ammonites, Amen. They were neighbors, though, Amen. These enemies, in particular, Moab, Moab, and Ammon, were incest brothers. I mean, they were incest. When I say incest, that uh, they were born by incest. After uh, Lot, after Sodom and Gomorrah, got got destroyed by God. Lot, you know, he was spared. Abraham went. Say, if there was ten, would you destroy it? And, and come to find out, Lot, uh, knowing that Lot's wife died, turned a pillar of salt. He went into the mountainous area, and uh, and we find that in Genesis the nineteenth chapter. And uh, his two daughters went with him, and they they conspired with each other to end up having uh, uh, sexual relations with their father. And as a result of them doing that, they ended up with child, both of them. Moab was the eldest, and uh, uh, Ami, Ammi, Ami, A M M I E was the youngest. So they grew up. We find that uh, Moab, on the as uh, in conquest through the wilderness to to the promised land. Uh, Moab uh, uh, went against Israel. Now we find Israel being relatives, right? Lot was Abraham's nephew. So naturally, his children was Abraham's uh, uh nieces. And nonetheless, they were all relatives. But the lesson, the book says that uh in regards to them being relatives, and even Amalek, the Amalekites, amen, they were relatives as well. They were relatives of, of Esau. Amen. Esau was uh, uh, his son was named uh, Amalek, uh, Amalek, and his uh, um, and and his son was Am, I mean, um, how you say it? the uh, uh, and the Amalekites was descendants of descendants of Amalek, uh, the Not grandson Esau. of Esau, grandson of Esau, Jacob's brother. Jacob's brother. And you know, Esau and Jacob were what twins. twins. They were twins. So Amalek was the grandson of Jacob's brother, but it doesn't. What what is that saying? What is that saying? That's saying that because they were relatives, does that mean that everything was still like, okay, this is my this is my family, and I'm not going to do anything to them? Matthew the tenth chapter, right, brings that up, doesn't it? There in Matthew the tenth chapter, if somebody want to read that. 34 to 37. He said, you hate, you got, Jesus said this. He said, you got to hate your mom and your daddy, your sister, your brother, your in-laws and all of them. Amen. If you don't hate them, amen, in a sense, in regards to putting him first, he said, you're not worthy of me. Then he said in uh, uh, uh Micah, uh, Judges, yeah, Micah 7, 7, I believe, he said that you're not worthy to be my disciples. Amen. I mean, in Luke, I believe it was in Luke, where he said you're not worthy to be my disciples. Amen. So he says here, it, it not necessarily, there's always going to be a com- confrontation with family. So here, Ammon, Amlek, and Moab were in conflict with family. Amen. Which was the Israelites. So God here is saying they, they, Joshua was supposed to utterly destroy every last one of them. And, and, he, and that did not happen, though he was trying to, but in his lifetime, he did not do it. So he left that That, that particular job was left to the next judge of Israel. Amen. Anybody else have anything on verse
0: 13? Yes, uh, Elder Mac. Uh, yeah, when he's mentioning about that uh, hate, hate, uh, you know, the interpretation is it must not love love more than him, you know, more than me. That's what the Lord's saying. You know, a lot of the time people takes that, you know, God, God hate, you know, it's just like almost like an oxymoron, you know, God hate, but he, it's this must not love more than and
3: mm-hmm. than him. That's mm-hmm. what it, that's what I take out of that, amen. Amen. And you see, you're not worthy to worthy you're not worthy to be to follow to be my father or a disciple amen amen so he said in verse 14 so the children of Israel serve egon a king of, of moab for 18 years so this is 18 years now amen that uh he's been in in control of Israel amen so we find that uh After the serving uh, Eglon for uh, 18 years, verse 15 says, which is the second uh, outline, God, deliverer of God's, of Israel provided. So verse 15 through 17 is what I'm gonna take them all together. It says, When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjaminite, a man left handed. And by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, king of Moab. Okay? So let's talk about verse 15. Let's take it all together. But Ehud made a dagger, right? Which had two edges of a cubit length, which was, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. Amen. Upon his right thigh. And he brought the present to Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was very fat. Okay. So we're going from 15 to verse 17. But when the, after the eight year, eighteen years of oppression in verse 14, by this this Moab king by the name of Eglon, Israel cried unto the Lord. And the Lord raised them up a deliverer, right? And so when Israel expressed genuine repentance, right? We look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, if my people, right, who are called by my name, right? God heard and provided a spiritual deliverer for these guys. And is by the name of Ehud. And he was, it was it's not really known who this, this gentleman was, or even his father. However, he was from the tribe of Benyon, right. and he just so happened to be a courageous warrior. Amen. And he had, a, had the ability to use his left hand, had the ability to use his left hand typically in an unusual way. And it was, you know, it was frowned upon a person being left-handed, left-handed person. And those that were left-handed, they always would try, if they were uh, a swordsman, try to use their right hand because of the uh, uh, I guess it was the the pressure from folk, you know, and uh, uh, looking at them as being like a, a handicapped individual, being left-handed. Once they found out that you were left-handed, you was like, you know, you, you was almost like repulsive to them. So most of them, you know, that were left-handed, tried to use their right hand as much as they could in the presence of uh, those who were not left-handed the reason why I say that is because when you look at uh uh Yehud, a man left-handed, we have to go back to Judges the 20, we have to go to Judges the 20th chapter, right 13b. And those verses, just to just to paraphrase them just a little bit, there in that, in those in those scriptures right there, it was saying that uh the Benjaminites back then had like 20,000 men. Out of the twenty thousand, they had like seven hundred of them were left-handed. But these guys—they said that these guys could take a sling, just like David used a sling to destroy, uh, sling shot to, to kill uh, Goliath. Amen. These Benjaminites that were left-handed, amen, because they said they can swing, they can do you uh, uh, throw, use a sling, and hit the hair. Uh, of, a, of a of a target like their target they can hit the hair of that with accuracy pinpoint accuracy these guys was good this guy ehu came from this group of men and god raised him up amen so and god raised him up right he was a deliverer right and 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 he was and the children of israel sent a present unto Eglon. Okay, so they send the president unto Eglon here, and let's go on. He says, and uh, he said these slingers of Benjamin were well, were well uh, wrought in what they could do. Amen. In the Civil War that they went into, but later on, it talked about something else where these guys, these Benjaminites, ended up losing their lives, a lot of them, thousands of them. But in this particular text, he's being part of the delegation that served previously. Now he raised up ehu Now Ihu, more than likely, this is not the first time that he was part of this presentation that these that the Israelites wanted to make to to this Moabite king. Now before I go on any further, anybody have anything else that they want to add to what has already been said?
1: Part of the presentation, I guess that was brought out in the Expositor, it says it was perhaps part of the oppression that this king would, they had to give him uh, part of their produce, everything that they had, so this is more than likely the presentation that who was delivering to this king?
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen, yeah, I got that out of there mm-hmm. too. And also, um, it was, you know, we have to be reminded, as she was saying, Elder, uh, in the beginning, it was God that allowed them to be in this situation due to their disobedience. Mm-hmm. And, and we understand that, you know, how God works through reading that He allowed them to be able to go through it in order for them to call and ask for a deliverer. And um, and this king, he took from them, and he more or less was for, about himself. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, they was, I guess, tired or sick and tired of being just uh, like a... Uh, uh Being taken advantage of, and so, but God allowed this. I, I keep reminding my mind, but God allowed this because yes, He was taking them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. Yeah.
1: amen. And if you go back, uh, even even at the beginning, before now when it talks about, you mentioned earlier that they were supposed to you know, to annihilate the people that was in the land, but they didn't. There were people right. left there. Mm-hmm. And and it says that God in, in the first cha- verses of this uh, chapter that God was using those people that left in the land perhaps to teach the Israelites who had not known war to become warriors. Because right. in the wilderness, right. you know, everything over 20, mm-hmm. everything that was over 20 years old that left Israel, left Egypt died out in the wilderness. So perhaps these had not known war. But instead of learning just what they were supposed to learn, the art of war, they, were, uh, they got involved with their pagan practices. And this started the whole chain of events where they were in and out of captivity because of their disobedience uh, and then being oppressed and crying out to God.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right in that first, first chapter. Uh, um god was testing israel amen in regards to uh, getting them uh, ready for war because god amen is omniscient he knows that this is going to have to happen sooner or later because of uh what was in uh, we find even in this lesson and uh in how joshua you know they would they he wanted them to be warlike people amen and uh you know joshua brought the battle of jericho amen uh but uh, nonetheless uh, we find that uh the, this Moabite king amen he subdued Jericho this is where he where he uh, uh maybe I'm getting ahead of myself uh, I'm thinking I am but uh, nonetheless, I know what you're saying sister ratcliffe in regards to their training or god testing them this uh in regards to seeing how they gonna to react in regards to war warfare but when these when these uh judges died off they went back to uh um uh, into went out, went back into idolatry and everything, and it and, and bothered and it, 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 it uh, grieved God in regards to uh, what they were doing. So, this is why he had to continue to raise up another judge, amen. Then, he, uh, some of this, he allowed them to go through, amen. And thousands of them died, and, they, and these oppressive kings they did that. Uh, the, the king, I can't think of the king of Mesopotamia, had a field's day with Israel until he okay. raised up Othniel, amen, and, and, and shut that down because the children of Israel, just like in this lesson, cried out to the Lord. So uh, uh, so now the children of Israel, amen, and so, so Ehud, the son of Gerald of Benjamin, eh, being left-handed, amen, is something here that uh, is, that we have to read in between the lines. He said, the children <laughs> sent a present unto Eglon, and Ehud made a dagger. Now something's going on here, it's because Apparently, Ehu must have taken uh, uh, um, the uh, tribute to, e, uh, to Eglon, the king of Moab, previously. So we find in here that the way this thing is happening, he felt that, because he said he's making him a dagger. And I guess we're going to probably get into that a little bit later. But who made him a dagger, verse 16, that had two, a double edge, right? Two edges of a cubic length. And uh, a cubic length, amen, in our measurement, is what, anybody? 18 inches, right? (laughs) And so he took this particular weapon, or this blade, this and uh, a dagger, is what he said, and he girded it under his raiment upon his right thigh. What's significant about that?
1: Well, him being left-handed, it would be easy to get to.
3: Yes, uh, and
0: and they really emphasize about that left hand. Kept mentioning about it It was uh, significant by him being left-handed, and so I I I really saw that and that he put it on his, on his right thigh. I guess it was camouflage. I guess uh, because, like you say, it was unusual. Most people were right-handed, but but for him being a left-handed individual,
4: so he says they
2: also. they also probably patted him down, pat people down on the outside, and because yeah. he was a familiar person, they were probably just checking on the outside and everything. Didn't even consider, you know, going, you know, doing the inseam and all of that, and and they probably weren't even overly aggressive as to how they were patting him down because, like you said, it was probably apparent that previously he he had brought the gift.
1: And that's just that's just Tammy. If they pat it down, it was on the left side because most people are right-handed and they would reach to the left to grab their weapons. So, and his being on the right side because he was left-handed made it easier for him.
0: So I wonder, I wonder, did he have it on the inside of his right leg, on the outside of
3: his right leg? You know, it It was was on the
2: inside. Oh, not
3: necessarily. He didn't say that in the lesson, but. You know, and it didn't say whether it was on the out or the inside. Yeah, but it would make sense. More than likely, um, um, if they did a thorough search, they would have found it. Right, it was outside. Right. Yeah, Yeah, on the outside. But uh, uh, like Sister Radcliffe said, if you right-handed, naturally you reach over to your left to pull your your weapon out. If you left-handed, you move over to your right. And it wasn't normal to for a left-handed person anyway. It wasn't that many left-handed people around. Right. And so exactly. he said, "Well, I'm on uh, the the plan of assassination was to put the knife on the right on his right thigh." So that's verse sixteen. And he brought the present unto Eglon of Moab, and uh, it, it gives the uh, the physique of Eglon. He said the physique of Eglon was what, obese, right, fat which indicates Amen, man that he he he, he, he dying sumptuously right and that uh, uh he had plenty of food and it is and, and if you dine sumptuously like that that means that you probably were wealthy as well that you have money or something like that but uh, uh and it's saying something else too that uh uh it shows that if he's overweight right that he there's uh there's an inability uh, in regards to his reflexes amen I he can't what move as fast he can jump real fast it's because he has is, is is the weight is a is a hindrance amen so uh given a descriptive detail stresses that this king amen these these, these this description of him it stresses that he's he's uh uh not mobile enough amen to quickly respond like I said, his reflections were off. Mm-hmm. So he could not avoid, if he saw a murderous blow coming, uh, to duck or to turn or whatever or back up or, you know, just shift with his reflexes because of that, because of mm-hmm. his
1: his weight.
3: Mm-hmm. But also,
1: Adam, what, what, it, what it indicates, and you were talking about his wealth uh, going to the the summer parlor, you know, this is places uh, people mm-hmm. of wealth has. But what gave uh, Ehud a real advantage was when he said to him, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of you, though. Go ahead. Go that, ahead. He had a mess- that he had a message from God. So I'm assuming that he said he had a message from God. So he stood at that point. So he said he stood up, right? And when he stood up, yeah. that's when he yeah, was that's, able that's to use the dagger.
3: Right. Yeah. We well, we we're gonna, we're gonna get to that one.
1: Okay. That's it. I said I don't wanna get ahead of yeah. you yeah, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> so he brought you know. The, so he brought the so he brought the present to Eglon of Moab, uh, and Eglon was a very fat man. Okay. So we find in verses eighteen, right, and nineteen. Verses eighteen and nineteen of of this uh, chapter. Is is where? Uh, let me get that. Anybody want to read it? If you got it, read eighteen nineteen. I'm gonna beat you. And
1: when he had, and when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute, while he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgad and said. I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence, and all who attended him went out from him.
3: Amen. So after the delegation, Amen, from Israel delivered the tribute to, king, to the king, uh, Jehu, I mean, Ehud made sure that this delegation, uh, made it back safely because there was some some familiar landmarks like Gigal Amen where they had these idols at and this was a landmark but more than likely they had uh come th- come this way before in regards to tribute for how long for at least 18 years right so they was given tribute for at least 18 years So we find here that Ehu uh doubled back amen, and to seek a private audience with King Eglon, amen, where he can tell him that he had a message, amen, Mm -hmm. a secret one, right, Mm -hmm. that he wanted to give him. So Egon told his bodyguards, right, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: amen, to be quiet, keep silent, because this thing was a secret amen he told them and then he sent them what away but yes. so then Ehu, amen verse 20 and we're gonna look at and this is verse 20 to 23 is uh the dan- dangerous plan that he's having here in these particular verses and this plan was da- dangerous because uh if he did have any help in some of these brothers that went with him to deliver Uh, the tribute, they, they were gone now. And who else did he have? And he knew, too, that what? That God raised him up to do this. He believed, amen, faithfully, that God would take care of him, though it was a dangerous plan that he had. He felt that God, didn't say that in the lesson, but like you like I said, some of this you gotta read between the lines. And he just didn't step out into nothing. He could have been I, I I can't say he could couldn't have done it like that, but he knew that he was a servant of God, of the most high. And we're gonna find that out in the end. And so uh Ehu said and came unto him and he was sitting in a summer parlor, right? Like you said, well, that was that was a sign of uh 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 well yeah you know, circumstance <laughs> you know he lived in all you know and all of that you know and and Jericho was cursed by by Joshua and so here they done came back and then built it up again now this man got a summer parlor where the wind blows through the through the windows amen and he's in he's he's sitting up in there you can just picture him and uh uh so he says and he who said I have a message from God amen I have a message from God and at, at that point, the king rose, right? Out of his seat. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. The king
3: rose out, uh, out of his seat. So uh, one writer said this, a uh, particular statement. What Ehud had to say to the king grabbed his attention. He just right. grabbed him. And, he, and, and this is what caused him to rise out of his seat like that. Out of respect for a deity. Amen. Even a deity, what that he didn't even know. He didn't know God. But because he said what? That he has a message from God. And he knew that the Israelites worship the God of Israel. Amen. So I guess you can say out of humility, well, why would he be humble to God to a God that he doesn't even know? But because he was a god and he knew that he, he worshipped idol gods, because in Gigal, remember, they had went back through Gigal and they saw all these idols, amen, which was a, a landmark for them to go back with, go back to, to their land, the Israelites, served, uh, the ones who brought the tribute. So uh, naturally, uh, this, this Eglon king, this Moab king, uh, was an idolater, uh, was a worshiper of idols as well. And so uh, by him seeing these particular uh, gods, I mean, uh, him saying that that he has a message from God, right? He wanted to really uh, to see what this was all about. So he rose from his seat. Amen. And uh, it was another thing that I want to mention as well. Uh, it says, obviously the message, and this is what one writer says, obviously the message uh, from God about the, to be delivered was not one the king anticipated at this particular time. Right? Of
1: course not.
3: <laughs> 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 and it said, the writer said this in, in regards to something similar to what Ehu was doing. He said, he said, when two knights, these are knights of Sh- in shiny armor, right? When these two knights met, each knight extended his right hand to show that there was no weapon in his hand now over the years the writer said the handshake now today has become both a form of greeting and a sign of goodwill so uh when he who said this and the king stood up amen he, he didn't he didn't have a sense and he's and then and, and, and one one writer said, uh, The the king said, how dare in his mind that uh, Israel will come in uh, uh, in a stealth way, I mean, a sneaky way, in other words, to uh, do bodily harm to me. They don't have the nerve. They don't have the unmitigated gall to do this. How could they even formulate something like this in their mind? So here the king stands up. So Ehud at this particular time, he says in verse 21, and Ehud put forth, anybody have anything on verse 20? And Ehud put forth, verse 21, his left hand and took the, the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. So, it says here that Ehud, amen, he sees the opportunity now, amen, to thrust his double-edged sword or dagger into Eglon's body. This was an opportune time now for him to to carry out his plan of assassination. (laughs) And this is what he was doing. And Amen. He plan. He planned this. Now he'd already back at back in back at home. He made a double edged sword that was eighteen inches long, or they said a dagger. And if you just uh, over a foot long, eighteen inches, you got a foot is twelve inches, and he and an additional six inches. Man, you got yourself a a, a sword in your hand. But they called it a dagger. Yeah, he was a big fellow right and so he made that one writer said because he knew Eglon, he knew egon was a big man right and so he was going to make this dagger amen to uh 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 i guess in regards to his size so uh verse two he's thrust and so he said verse 22 and the half after he thrusted it into his, be- into his belly. One writer said, Well, you don't really need to go through all of that, man, and talk about all of that. And that was in the preparing to teach the lesson. He said, uh, Eglon got the point, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got the point. Funny. <laughs>
0: also, Elder Mac, can I say something? Go ahead. If we, we understand that, you know, with the, him being the judge, that he had a lot of help in the Lord, you know, uh, because I, in the uh, word in here, it he also mentioned about he didn't know whether he gonna uh, come back alive. He didn't know he was going on a suicide mission or what. But this, they knew that something had to be done, and um, so the Lord blessed him, and 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 that it worked, and and that he was successful. So, so know, it's, it's a blessing to have the Lord on your side. And I think uh, uh, the king, he, he got the message. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Hey Amen. And, you know, he said he, was good, he has a word from the Lord in regards to uh, uh, what type of word was that? Was it a word of, of uh, comfort? No, it was a word from the Lord of judgment. Yeah. It was a word of judgment coming from Ehu, from God to Ehu, from Ehu to King Eglon. Mm-hmm. Amen. So yeah. he said, so he thrust this 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 double-edged sword. You know, we got a, we we have a double-edged sword that we can whirl too, right? And that's the what? The, the, word. Hey. the word Amen. Amen. So he says Eglon uh, Ehu uh he he did uh, his thrust with the dagger into Eglon's belly was so forceful, so forceful, amen, that it that his dagger, being long as it was, went all the way into his belly, all the way up till the the kilt or the uh, of the of the the handle everything. The the handle was another six inches, so you have in all a two-foot sword that went all the way two foot into this man's uh, belly. Now, what uh, other writers said after it went in? Did he say, "Ouch"?
2: <laughs>
3: he didn't say anything. What happened? I guess we probably have to assume that by him being so close to thrusting into his belly, he still had the opportunity to slap his hands down if he was trying to keep his, he he put his hands on his mouth probably to keep him from saying anything. He still probably could have said something, but he said that that nobody heard him say anything because. Where were the, where was his servants and where were the bodyguards and all that? They were right on the outside of the door. So, you know, you have to uh, put some assumption here that he who did more than just thrust the dagger into his belly, but more than likely he held his mouth shut and probably pushed him back down to the point where uh, uh, that uh, uh, he was unconscious. So, you know, that was, it, though it may be gross, you know, and everything, but this is what, this is how the Lord Lord, you said to uh, for the Israelites when they went into the promised land to take those heathen nations that were in the land of promise to dash the babies up against the wall. And that meant utterly, utterly destroy them in the, in the, in the uh, meaning behind that. So the kids couldn't grow up and have some type of rebellion against the Israelites but by them not doing what God told them to do caused them to cause these nations to <clears> ensnare <throat> them. So, uh, uh, verse 23 says, and he who went forth from the, through the porch and shut the doors. Amen. Now he had his own escape route here, right? He went through the doors. Amen. But you know, going back to, the, uh, uh, the, uh, thrusting of the uh the, the the dagger yeah the historian once again said the dirt the dirt that came out of egon's abdomen right amen had been cut open to the point where man he says some <laughs> not to go into into a whole lot of details but we find when judas hung himself. In Acts, of the the first chapter, he, Judas hung himself. And after he hung himself, the line broke, and his entrails, his intestines, spilled out on the ground. I think it was another incident with King Herod, who tried to take the glory of God, take the glory from God in regards to something that
1: had happened.
3: And he burst open. So, uh, this, you know, something like this in the Bible, you know, is, is, is in there, you know, in that, uh, uh, anyway, verse 23 says, anybody have any other comment?
4: Elder, uh, uh you know, in my reading, I, uh, came across a couple of things. One is that, uh, although it was, uh, Ehud's plan, it was God's message that, uh, had to be delivered. Exactly. So that, that message was a message of judgment, mm-hmm. but it also pointed out. Folks were also pointing out that there were many obstacles that uh, Ehud had to uh, cross before his plan was executed. And some folks say, if you look at verse fifteen, and then you also look at uh, like verse twenty and twenty through twenty-three, mm-hmm. when you trying to pull the uh, the dagger out. Some interpreters say that in verse 15, that Ehud was actually crippled or disabled by his left, in his right hand. So that was another uh, uh, unassuming mark that he had.
3: Oh, okay.
4: And his plan was uh, more easily executed by the fact that he was handicapped. They wouldn't assume that a man that was crippled in the right hand would be actually uh, up to executing someone,
3: right? Right. Right. Okay. Amen. Amen. That's that's good. You know anyone else? Verse twenty three says, "Then he went forth from the port through the porch. He went forth through the porch. In other words, uh, this was his escape route, right? And he shut the doors of the parlor upon him, and he locked." the doors right he locked the doors behind him amen so uh, uh and so after he locked the doors he said he s-n-u-c-k he snuck he snuck out by using the porch or the terrace that was now this man had a nice layout <laughs> he was, he, yeah. it was a, you know it was a parlor right and so he had a deck and all of that Amen. That you can go out on and all of that. So he snuck out that way. Amen. And and, and that uh, which adjoined, it was uh, adjacent uh, to his private chambers. Amen. So since the guards, the guards that were of of uh, the king were on the outside, right? Uh. Uh. And and by as being as long as it was, he says in uh. After you locked the door in verse 24, and when he was gone out, the servants came, and then when they had saw that the doors of the parlor were locked, right? They said, Surely he is in there doing what covering his seats. His his Amen. And so this man had a bathroom in the parlor as well. Amen. So, and they and you know <laughs> they said. Uh, what did he say? But it had got to the point where, uh, and they saw that the, the, the doors were locked, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, Jehu Ehu had snuck out. Amen. By the porch and the terrace, uh, says the chamber doors. Uh, since the guards on the outside of the door respected the private nature of the king's chambers that he had audience with ehud in there thinking that he was still in there this gave ehud who escaped amen through the terrace, plenty of time and it put a lot of distance between himself and the moabites just in case they tried to you know and 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 so this is how he did it so uh in verse 24 it says and when he was gone out the servants came and when they saw that they were was locked. He said, "Should he cover his feet? Covering his feet mean what?"
1: Just in the bathroom.
3: That he was. That he was. You can you be a little bit more? I'm just kidding. (laughs)
1: done?
3: Gross. (laughs) Amen. So it says a discreet precaution, verses twenty-four to thirty. Right? It was a discreet precaution that uh, that uh, this brother was using. See again. Who said something? No. Oh. So after I uh, uh, After Ehud left the king's parlor, the king's servants returned, right? Uh, to resume their normal services. Totally unaware right, of what had just happened to their king, the king's servants noticed that the parlor doors were still locked. Now, it's been quite, quite a while. So they ex- they speculated that uh, though he was c- uh, covering his feet, which is a euphemism, that's what they said, that's what it is. Right, right, something right. That. And they gave gave reference to that in 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, where, David, where, where Saul was in the cave doing the same thing. And David snuck up, cut off his one of his t- tassels off of his robe, and showed King Saul later on that, uh, hey, he had an opportunity to kill him. Yeah. And when he was in the cave doing his euphemism yeah. so uh, so i
1: also read that it's possible that they make that assumption based on the smell from remember when the dagger went in it says that uh the dirt came out right so also that was an assumption i read that I don't know. I think it's an expository. That's possibly an assumption as to what Mm -hmm. he was doing. And they didn't want to disturb him. They gave him the privacy waiting for them to be summoned later.
3: Exactly. Yeah. They didn't want to go in there while he was, you know, and they felt because of the smell from that too. I read that somewhere that um, the smell from his intros, I guess it had permeated the room. And so uh that too and this is where they probably got the idea that he was covering his feet Go amen ahead. so after waiting an extent spirit uh, extended period of time though uh they became embarrassed to the point where they said, wow like, and they was very very uncertain of what they were supposed to do in this regard so they decided however to open up the doors unlock them and open up the doors and once inside they discovered amen, to their amazement, to their dismay, amen, uh, their king prostrate dead on the floor. Amen. So, and they tarried until they were ashamed, verse 25, and he had not opened up the doors of the parlor, Therefore, they took a key and opened them, and behold, the Lord was falling down dead on the earth. Amen. Amen. So he saw his his prostrate body lying there. So at this particular time as well, Ehud, who escaped, took advantage, amen, of this confusion. Amen. He took advantage of it and escaped from the royal headquarters. Right. Now, I want to say something about the headquarters. I meant to bring that up uh, earlier. Where these headquarters were was in Jericho, right? And they called Jericho the city of, they renamed it, I guess, or it was always called that as well, the city of power. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular area of Jericho was a strategic area, militarily. And, uh, And they oppressed Israel. All those nations that were right around Jericho that were Israelite, this is where these guys, Moab, Ammon, Ammonites, and the Malachites, they oppressed Israel, these nations right around. They didn't go all over to Israel, but just these nations right there that uh, uh, they oppressed. Benjamin and uh, uh, some of the other uh, Ephraim, and I, I believe it was one I can't remember. But nonetheless, yeah, they op- these guys oppressed them. So this was a strategic area where they were. And they kept the Israelites, some that were in these areas, kept them in the mountains. They couldn't come down. But they always, they, they, they oppressed them some kind of a way to the point where they ended up, after 18 years of this nonsense, cried out to the Lord. So, uh, Ehu secured a safe escape, though. Amen. And he had, a, he had that plan. And so when we read verses, and Ehu escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped to the Syria. Now, the quarries was like in Gigao. Amen. These quarries were like where they had some idols. And uh, if you was to leave it up to somebody that was in uh, an idolater, they would think that some of these idols that was in these quarries could have gank, jumped up and, and grabbed Ehu and held him down until uh, the king, the king of, of Moab's armies came and got him because uh, the king of Moab was dead. But uh, these guys were supposed to subdue uh, their enemies. But we find out that these guys weren't really guys at all. They couldn't stop Ehu's escape. So he went through these quarries, right, and he escaped unto Israel. They said that uh, uh, he, he he disappeared into the rough mountains, mountainous territories that provided him with uh protected shelter even there. But being a humble man like Ehu was uh, they say it was certainly an example of of courage, right? He was an exact example of courage and ingenuity, and he he he, he planned this thing. He, he manufactured a sword. He did all of that. He had his plans of how he was going to deal with this ruthless king, this oppressor, and then he was going to make sure that with this dagger that he made, he was going to make sure of his demise and this is what he did and this, and this is what he did so he he encouraged after he did this amen if somebody want to read verses 27 28 and 29 for me anybody 27
4: 28 and 29 you said Yes, Uh uh-huh. Right. Um, It says, uh, when he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab your enemy into your hands. So they followed him down and taking possession of the Lord of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab, they allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all
3: vigorous and strong. Not a man escaped. Amen. So, uh, uh, not a man escaped. These guys was robust, they said in regards to the the Amalekites and the ammonites they said they were ruthless uh they were saying they were like ju- they had juggernauts the juggernauts were like I think it was the the uh, um, uh chariots like and these guys were very very skilled in to uh blow the trumpet and, and cause uh Israel to follow him, Amen. Was saying a lot for Jehu. I mean, for, I keep on saying, yes, uh, Jehu, Jehu, <laughs> Amen. Jehu, <Yes>. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Amen. But uh, uh, I, it, it took a lot there again yeah, to, and he said, and he said that the Lord, he gave credit to God, Amen, in regards to these exploits, everything, the planning and everything. He gave all the glory to God I mean, in regards to this victory. They said because when you're when your leader, you don't have a leader, man, you're in, uh, you're in a disarray. And, you, and you're already a nation. And all of a sudden, your leader is gone. Boom, just like that. It, it brings about some confusion. They couldn't really get themselves organized enough to where, because Israel really had them. Amen. In a in a in a pickle, a rock in a rock between a rock and a hard place because their king just died. And here's J here's uh, saying, "Arise, God has delivered the king and the, and the Moabites, Moabites into your hands. Arise. Now, how can God do that for me and you today? Amen. We find in Second Corinthians the, the, the tenth chapter seventh chapter where he said in regards to repentance he said the, for the sorrow that is according to the will of god right produces a repentance without regret mm-hmm. leading to salvation but sorrow of the world leads to death and that's what's happened to Ju- judas he was sorry that he betrayed jesus but it wasn't like a godly sorrow it was a sorrow that he went out and hung himself,
2: hmm.
3: which that, that's where he said, it led to death. Now, this was in Second Corinthians, and it, it was alluding to what Judas did, but it goes for everybody like that. Amen. Repentance. and 2 yeah, Corinthians 7, 14, if my people come by my name was we'll humble themselves and, and seek my face and turn from their ways, which is turn is repent. Mm-hmm. Amen. We have to turn to God in these last days. So to cap it off, we find the children of Israel, yeah, they did evil. God raised up a deliverer who was Ehud, and he dealt with the Moabites, these relatives of his, Ammonites and Amalekites, he dealt with them, and their cry went up to the Lord. And we find that this man orchestrated in regards to his ingenuity, a dagger, a double-edged sword, and he presented a, 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 a word from God, all right, which was a word of judgment. And he thrust his knife in him amen somebody might say well, well that was gross and that was evil that was evil for what he did i mean i mean these folks is just their opinion they can they can they can say what they wanted he who did what god wanted him to do and then what he went about doing and the way he went about doing it, god was right there anointing him to do it so he killed this 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 obese king amen and threw his whole nation to confusion to the point where they were able to to uh, uh, rest for 80 years after they defeated them. 80 years, the longest in the whole book of Judges. The Israelites lived for 80 years. Amen. In rest. So he said he subdued them, verse 30. So Moab was subdued that day in the hand of Israel, and Israel rested four score. Amen. Four score years. 80 years they rested. Amen. And but then <laughs> no sooner. After those 80 years went by, guess what? Cycle time, that same thing started all over again.
1: Hmm. Praise God. Amen, Sister Amen. Yeah. Anybody yeah. else have anything? Well, just that the message that, as has been said, the message that who delivered to the king of Moab was God's message of judgment. Judgment. Exactly. So at this, yeah. At this time, it's going to be uh, turn over to the pastor for final any final words and dismissal.
4: Man, uh, just just briefly, uh, if we can, just take a just a minute or two to let you all know. Uh, if you can just uh, also relay this to others who may not be present now, but just uh, let them know that uh, leadership is uh, definitely aware of what is going on socially right now. Uh, It's been the topic of our conversations and the subject of our prayers. So uh, we are uh, understanding what's going on and we will you will definitely hear from uh, leadership in regards to uh, these social uh, protest, uh, injustices and things of that nature. So we are going to definitely address that. Um, also know that uh, New Life was part of a joint effort from Kensington Church. Uh, I thought it was going to be broadcast today. I mean, yeah, today, but it was actually broadcast on last evening or afternoon. Uh, where and they,
1: today.
4: It, yeah, yeah. I thought today, so thank you.
1: And today also,
4: right? Okay, thank you. So um, that uh, broadcast, you will see that uh, New Life was the location for filming, and you will also see that uh, that Jalen and I uh, took part of that discussion as well. Um, and as I stated, uh, you, you will definitely hear from uh, leadership, that leadership from New Life. Uh, that was not my uh, full uh, address of, uh, of what is going on. And, uh, and as I stated, the Lord has just laid on my heart, pressed upon me that uh, this is a subject that needs to be discussed Among us Uh, So with that uh, I guess I will follow that up with uh, Dismissal If there's nothing else Right I I also want to pause Take this time also to uh, Give opportunity to those that may not know The Lord Uh, It's a wonderful lesson That shows you how important history is And history has a way of uh, repeating itself where folks uh, like how the uh, the i believe it was the golden text i think yeah golden text had uh illustrated where it's just this cycle and sometimes this cycle is not only for a nation but it's for for uh, an individual as well where they they go and stray away and then they call upon God, and God sends uh, a deliverance their way. But then all of a sudden, that cycle happens again. Um, that expositor also pointed out that some folks try to do it on their own. And not only do they uh, try to think it out, but then they try to supplement their answer with uh, alcohol, or some other substances along the way, and it only just uh, makes matters worse. The real answer, what it stated, what it stated is, uh, the real answer is God. And uh, we're telling you now, proclaiming to you now, that uh, if you're in a situation in which you don't know God, he's the answer. You can call upon him, and those who call upon him, they will be saved. Uh, you know our information, you know how to contact us. Anyone in leadership can definitely uh, assist you. you call upon us, and we can help you uh, foster this relationship with God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, come to you now. And we thank you for this day, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you for the teacher, the instructor as well, and his dedication towards your word. Lord, I just ask that you continue to bless him and his family. Lord, I ask that you bless those who took the time out today to join us um, through this media. Lord, uh, I just ask you to bless them and equip them even more with what they have learned today. Not only let them uh, hear it, but Lord, Allow them to apply it as well, because that's wisdom. Father, we just ask you also to be with us, to be with our families, to touch this nation, Lord, that's rocking and reeling right now. And we just ask, Lord, that we uh, keep our eyes on you and understand that you're the solution and that the solution doesn't come from government, nor man, but from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. 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 God bless y'all. Amen. Amen.